Hello, everybody. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, took a week off last week from a video version, just did an audio-only version, and I do apologize for that. For those that do like the live version of the show, um, just wasn't really in the wasn't really in the the mind space to do a video version last week. Um, holidays, you know, they are what they are for me this year. Um, you know, just been kind of a rough Christmas getting and been rough getting into the Christmas spirit, I guess would be the best way to put it. So I have a bunch of stuff to talk about here today involving the NFL Packers and Dolphins set to take place uh, on Christmas Day. Um, Packers beat the Rams this past Monday night football. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Packer Rams and Packers Dolphins. I'm going to talk to Milwaukee Bucks. They have uh, been very inconsistent lately. Um, yes, they are still sitting with the best record in the NBA uh, Eastern Conference, um, half game above Boston currently, but very up and down. And I guess the question is going to be, are, are, we wor- are we more worried right now about the Bucks' defense or their offense? And that's an interesting question, and I know what I'm more worried about. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, but they've been very back and forth recently, and their defense has not been as good as it's been earlier in the year. But the offense hasn't been up to par either. The, the Bucks' offense has not been up to par. It's pretty much been Giannis and nobody else. Holiday, great game against the Pelicans. No showed against... Uh, against their most recent loss um, the other night. Too inconsistent on offense. And the defense, I think the defense has actually been fine, as crazy as that sounds, Ken. I think the offense is where they're struggling. And you go back to the Grizzlies game, you uh, missing a lot of shots. You're putting your defense on their heels a lot more than you normally would. And they're getting you before you can get your defense set. I think that's kind of been one of their problems. And Cleveland, too, they lost to the other night. And Cleveland took advantage of the missed shots as well. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my concern, um, Bucks defense, offense. Badger, new recruiting classes in. I am happy for it. And I know can't really take into account um, how these kids are going to do as they're all pretty much high school seniors, except uh, guys on the transfer portal. Uh, the recruits you have coming in are all high school with seniors. And you only got one transfer portal guy right now. So I'm going to talk about that recruiting class and how Fickle is continuing to try to change Wisconsin has added some excitement to the Badgers. Because I can't remember the last time people have been this excited over a Badger recruiting class. So I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, coaches on the hot seat. And two in particular, I'm wondering who you, who's done worse this year? The Saints coach, Dennis Allen, who has a pretty talented squad in place. Or the Broncos, who have a good defense. They trade for Russell Wilson, um, should be Super Bowl contenders. And I guess the question is, who's going to be more... Who's, who's more on the hot seat in my, and who's done more of a disappointing job, I guess is what I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to start with the Bucks since I already kind of went into a little bit on what I wanted to talk about anyways. 
um, Bucks defense or offense, what am I more worried about? And at this point right now, I'm more worried about the offense. So I'm going to pull up their offensive rankings. I had the wrong thing up a second ago. So the Bucks, according to NBA.com, their advanced ratings, ratings, the Bucks' offensive rating, it puts them at, scrolling down, scrolling down, 18th in the NBA. And I know they've missed Chris Middleton quite a bit this year, and he's still, you know, he's been in and out now recently of the lineup with a knee and illness. Not sure if he's going to play tonight. Not sure if he's going to play on Christmas Day. But offensively, the Bucks are sitting at 18th in the NBA offensive efficiency. Assist to turnover ratio, which has been a problem for the Bucks lately, they sit at 22nd in the NBA. So they're they're turning the ball over a lot, and they're not scoring that well um, this season. The offense is what I'm more concerned about. I think the defense is fine. I think the defense is going to be fine defensively. The Bucks are now third in the NBA. I know. This time last week, they're second, and a uh, week and a half ago, they were first in the NBA um, per NBA.com, and now they're down to three. Their defensive efficiency is 108.1. And I think, like I mentioned, a lot of that has to do with how 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 bad the offense has been. The, de- the defense, I think, is starting to show some uh, some issues, mainly because the Bucks aren't scoring enough. Giannis puts up 40-some-odd points the other night against the Cavaliers. Lopez, I think, had, what, 10 points? And I had one other player in double figures, uh, the rookie, um, Bocamp. Holiday shot two for nine with nine points. Holiday needs to play better. Grayson Allen needs to play better. Giannis needs guys around him making shots because it can't be Giannis doing it all by himself. He needs guys around him making shots. And if guys around him aren't making shots, we're going to see Giannis go into old habits. What we saw basically the bubble year where he, and then at times last year, where he's just going to put his head down and be a bulldozer and try to batter a ram over people. And now he's going to pick up more offensive fouls by doing that. And they're going to be able to build the wall around him. Guys need to make shots. Now the good news is we saw Joe Ingles finally um, after missing up until this past Monday night against uh, New Orleans. I think Ingles adds a lot of versatility to this team, and I think Ingles is going to give you an offensive weapon as well. But your Grayson Allen, your Drew Holiday, who's put – Drew Holiday's put up some great numbers in, in some games this year. He had a, a 40 – I think a, a couple 30-piece games this year. I think he, um, he's had a bunch of 20-piece games this year. He's been, when Giannis was struggling to score, he was the glue I was kind of holding it together. But the issue is Holiday's so up and down offensively. Defensively, he's pretty consistent on what you're going to get. But offensively, he's very up and down. And I think the biggest area, biggest concern I have with the Bucks defensively right now is rebounding. They're giving teams too many second chance points. The Bucs have been one of the top defensive rebounding teams in the NBA year after year, and they started out this year as one of the top in the NBA. But recently, they're giving teams 
too many second chance points. They're giving teams too many chances to score second chance point. And they need to get better defensive rebounding. And their transition defense, especially on missed free throws, is not very good against Cleveland. Um, guys are crashing the offensive boards. They don't get it, and then they don't get back quick enough. But overall, the books are fine. They are one of the top three teams in the NBA. Them and Boston are the two top teams in the NBA Eastern Conference. The Bucks are tied for most wins in the NBA right now, and they have the least amount of losses in the NBA right now. I think the Bucks are fine. They're going to be fine few things to clean up things will get better once Middleton's back and they get used to playing with Ingles and Middleton and Holiday and Giannis in the same lineup the one thing I do wish the Bucks would do though and I say this liking I can't believe I'm saying this I like what Grayson Allen brings to the Bucks. I guess I'll put it that way I don't necessarily like Grayson Allen but I like what Grayson Allen brings to the Bucks. but I think he is better served being coming off the bench I've tweeted out numerous times, but my preferred starting lineup for the Milwaukee Bucks is your, you know, Giannis, Holiday, Lopez, Middleton, and then Javon Carter. If not Javon Carter, then maybe Wes Matthews. I don't, I don't know. I, I like Allen coming off the bench. Carter doesn't have to be an offensive guy. He's really not an offensive guy. He scored when he's needed to, but when you have Middleton, Holiday, Giannis, Lopez in the, in, the, in the lineup together. Carter can just focus on playing defense and staying in front of people and being a pest. You know, I had Justin Garcia on my show a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how he's annoying. And that's what you need Carter in there for to set the tone early. Him and Holiday together in the backcourt are going to drive teams crazy with how pesty they are, get, staying in your face and staying in front of you and picking you up beyond the half court line, picking you up on the picking you up on the inbound pass. I think Carter needs a start. And I think Allen is better served on the bench. Portis, Ingos, Allen, those guys, and Connaughton, those guys are best served all being reserve guys. And I know when they're healthy, they're probably going to continue to start Allen, but I, I think they should make that change. They should make the change and start Carter over Allen. That that's my my opinion on that. Let me know if you have differing differing opinion. You can tweet at me at Evan with Sports. You can comment right now if you're watching this live. If you think Allen or Carter should start, who do you think? Post it post it in the comments. If you're watching on Twitter, you can tweet at me uh, underneath this thread. Who do you think the Bucks should be starting, Allen or Carter? I personally think Carter. I think Carter gives you better defense, and I think Allen coming off the bench is going to be bench is going to be better for you, getting those points off the bench, which I think you could need right now. But my biggest concern right now is scoring, and I know it sounds crazy when I'm saying that Allen needs to come off the bench, and scoring is my biggest concern. I think they'll be fine starting Carter in there, and. Basically, Middleton needs to play better when he gets on the floor uh, more consistently. The last time we saw Middleton on the floor is probably the worst game we've ever seen him in a Bucks uniform um, against the, I think it was the Memphis, yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies. 
probably the worst game I've ever seen Middleton play. I think he was 0 for 8, 0 for 9 at one point in that game, and he couldn't buy a bucket, and defense, he was a little slow. Turns out he's missed the last couple games now because of knee soreness and uh, illness. But Middleton needs to start carrying his weight, being that number two scorer. And Holiday definitely needs to do better than he did Wednesday. Big game, Christmas Day. Another Bucks Christmas Day game. And you would have told me 10 years ago that the Bucks would be on Christmas Day, what, four or five years in a row? I would have called you crazy. I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like fourth year in a row. Third, fourth, I don't know. But I I would have thought you were crazy if you would have told me that the Bucks would be playing on Christmas Day so frequently um, the way they have been. So moving on, NFL. Actually, no, I'm going to talk Badgers here. Talk Badgers, then I'll talk NFL. And the main thing I want to talk about with the Badgers is the fact that the the early signing day has happened, and the Badgers so far have 14 high schoolers and one transfer that have signed their verbal commitment. Plus, they've had a number of preferred walk-ons that have given their uh, commitment to Wisconsin as well. Um, I'm kind of excited a little bit for this class. Um, a few four-star guys there um, got areas from states they usually don't do well. Arizona, James Durand, an interior offensive lineman, likely be a guard, 6'4", 280 in high school, probably add about 20, 30 pounds of muscle um, once he's in Wisconsin. He's the sixth best player in the state, 16th best in this position in the country. I think that's a great get for the Badgers. Braden Moore, 6'1", 190-pound um, athlete, four-star out of Ohio, that's definitely a Luke Fickle um, recruit right there. He was 11th best player in the state, 17th best at his position, uh, and 342nd in the country. Amari Snowden, corner, 6'3", 187. So one of the things the Badgers have been lacking for quite a while, I think probably since Jamal Fletcher, is size in their secondary. But now you have a 6'3", 187-pound corner, and Snowden, more likely be a corner safety type player at Wisconsin. They're getting size now in their back half of their defense. It's going to make it much harder for the schools to throw over the heads of the secondary if these guys develop and can start and play. Um, those three are all four-star guys. Um, Snowden's from Rosevale, Michigan. They stayed in state to get the best player in the state, 49th at his position in the country, and Nate White, six foot, 175 pound running back from Milwaukee King. He's a he's a great running back. I talked to their head football coach uh, during their season, had a chance to sit down and interview him for a broadcast that I was doing the pregame show for, and he had a lot of great things to say about him, the opposing coach. Had a lot of great things to say about him, and he's a game breaker. Good, good speed, good vision, good, um, good footwork, and he's a guy that can definitely put strain on a defense. You can use him in jet sweeps in the backfield, slot maybe a little bit. That's a good get out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jonas Dusalona, corner six seven one seventy five out of Florida. I think that's another guy that recently came aboard. Uh, since Fickle started um, as head coach. 
Again, six foot one seventy five size in the back half of the secondary. Jace Arnold from Georgia, 5'10", 168, three-star out of Georgia. Um, area the Badgers don't usually get a lot of guys from, but I think that's the fickle effect. Got a wide receiver from Las Vegas slash Hawaii. Uh, not going to try to pronounce his name, but he's a good slot receiver coming out of high school. Badgers are probably going to look to use him as the same uh, in college. Uh, Tretch Kikuana, so I will try to butcher his name. Kikuana is a like a 5'11", 180-pound receiver. A.J. Tisdale, corner out of Texas, 5'10", 180, another defensive back. Justin Taylor, athlete out of LaGrange Park, Illinois, 6'1", 185. Tyler Janzy, 6'1", 215-pound linebacker out of Illinois. Jordan Meyer, edge guy, good size, 6'4", 235 probably put on about 20, 30 pounds, play the edge in the system that Mike Trust was going to be calling. Uh, Cole LaCrue, quarterback from Bloomfield, Colorado, um, 49th best at his position. Christian Aliago, linebacker, 6'3", 220. Tucker Ashcraft, 6'5", 235-pound tight end. A need for Wisconsin. The tight end positions were in a struggle past couple years. And they get to transfer from Oklahoma. He was a four-star coming out of high school. And Nick Evers. So with LaCrue, Evers, Burkett, that's going to be good competition in the quarterback room this fall. And that's what the Badgers have been lacking quite a bit for the last two or three years. The reason why Graham Mertz played so much is because there was nobody that could play better than Graham Mertz and the Badgers did not have the competition in the locker room to compete with Graham Mertz. Chase Wolf was not very good. They did not want to start a true freshman in Burkett. Um, uh, Jack Cohen last year at Wisconsin dealt with a foot injury and the felt Badgers felt it was time to try to move on from him. He came out of summer camp, spring camp, whatever with, like I mentioned, a broken uh, foot or whatever, the injury was before transferring to Notre Dame. They haven't had the competition in the quarterback room in a while. And now you got three guys that are going to be fighting for reps in this in the spring and in the summer and in the fall in LaCrue, Burkett, and Evers. And if the Badgers can get another quarterback or two in there, it, it's going to be even better. So I think the early signing. Um, which jumped the Badgers from 80th in the country to 61st after getting these guys signed on the dotted line. They're not done. This is just the early recruiting top day. Now guys can recruit. I mean, guys can commit now anytime, but February is the next date, major date for um, players making their decisions and signing their letters of intent. And I don't think Fickle's done. I don't think he's going to sit on a class of 14 and be done. I think he's going to look to add probably another 10 guys between now and February to kind of even out this recruiting class. And some of these guys were guys were holdovers from uh, from Paul Christ uh, recruiting team. And some of these are guys that his recruiting people targeted as soon as he took the job and they did a good job of getting them in here to improve uh, a key number of depth of positions like quarterback and tight end and corner and wide receiver. So 
I still think the Badgers should sign another quarterback. I think they should try to sign another wide receiver. I think they should try to sign another running back to just add depth and competition to those positions. So that's my thought on the 2023 Badger football commit so far. And jumping to the Packers, big Packer news today. When I when I decided I was doing the show today, I just figured I'd be talking about the Packers and their game coming up against the Dolphins. But big Packer news this morning comes out. Elton Jenkins signs an extension, long four-year extension worth, I think it was $67 million or $24 million signing bonus to stay in Green Bay. And before the ACL injury, Elton Jenkins was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. That's how good Elton Jenkins was. He struggled a little bit since uh, coming back early this year, playing right tackle and early in his move back to left guard. He struggled a little bit. But the past three or four games, Elton Jenkins looked like Elton Jenkins again. He has been one of the better Packer linemen um, over the course of the past few games, and him him and Zach Tom next to each other, um, Packers O-line haven't really lost a beat. It'd be nice to get Bakhtiari back for the last couple games. I don't think he's going to play against Miami again, epidectomy where they had to open him up. Um, probably going to be out longer than typical for that injury. But it's great having Jenkins back, and it definitely helps the, the uh, run game tremendously with him there, guard. Him, Myers, who has been inconsistent, and Runyon, the interior of the Packers line, have been playing much better. And that just shows you Aaron Jones, 90 yards on 17 carries. Uh, Dylan, before leaving with a concussion, had 36 yards on 11 carries with two touchdowns. And catching the ball, Jones had four for 36, and Dylan had three for 35. And Rodgers, for the most part, has been protected well these past few weeks. He took a few sacks against L.A. on Monday Night Football. But overall, Rodgers has been uh, staying upright a lot more. And Packers offense seems to be humming a lot better. And Monday, we saw Romeo Dobbs return, who had five catches and five targets for 55 yards. And with Watson, four for 36. That's a very good young rod receiver combo that I'm excited to see continue to grow up together. Uh, we'll see what they do in Miami. And speaking of Miami... For the Packers to make the playoffs, they have to win out. No disrespect to the Vikings. No disrespect to the Lions. But I think this is probably the toughest game the Packers have remaining on their schedule. The Vikings next week could be in a phase where they're they're starting to rest guys and get guys healthy for the, for the playoffs. And the Lions, they're still the Lions. The Packers should have beat the Lions handedly earlier this year. They had the ball three times in the red zone and turned it over twice and had a turnover on downs once. The Packers should have boat raced the Lions a few weeks back. And that's another game where Christian Watson left early after taking a tough hit. They didn't want to risk him uh, suffering another concussion, and they didn't know if it was or not. It was a bit a shoulder issue, I guess. But they didn't... They, pulled him in that game and Romeo Dobbs suffered the high ankle sprain in that game and even with those injuries again the Packers should have beat Detroit handedly in a few weeks back during their five game losing streak but the Dolphins are a different breed 
They got speed for days with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. <clears throat> Tua has been playing pretty good football. And he just had a pretty good game against the, uh, the, the Bills in Buffalo in a tough environment back on Saturday. He had a tough game against the Chargers the week before that and a tough game against San Francisco and got hurt the week before that. But he, he Tua has been a pretty solid quarterback, and he's got speed for days at the wide receiver position, as I mentioned, in Waddle and Hill. And then at running back, Raheem Morissette, if you don't remember that name, he's the one that had over 200 yards rushing against Green Bay in the NFC um, championship game in LaFleur's first season out in San Francisco when Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times the entire game. For the Packers to win this game, in order to slow down the passing game of the Dolphins, they have to they have to get pressure on Tua. If you get pressure on Tua, that's what Tua tends to struggle a little bit more. He struggles getting that ball down the field when he's got pressure on him. If he has a clean pocket, he has time to hit Waddle and Tyree kill deep, he's going to torch you. But if you can get pressure on him, you can get, and the Packers got five sacks against the Rams. I think they're season high. If they can get pressure on Tua, the Packers stand a chance slowing them down. I am not confident in Joe Barry that Joe Barry is going to have a scheme that's going to even remotely slow down uh, Waddle and Hill. I think we saw a little bit Monday night on what the Packers might try to do. And that's play even even softer zone uh, coverage that they have played. There's a few third and long situations where they had the safety in the corners about 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. I could see them doing that because they don't want to get beat deep. But the thing is, if you're going to play soft zone coverage and try to get, prevent Waddle and Hill to beat you over the top, you better tackle well. And Miami does have a pretty good tight end, too, that can definitely beat you underneath. And he'll get the ball in his hands and a wide receiver screen or a quick slant. He's one that can take it 80 yards of the house pretty easily. The Packers need to tackle well. They need to get pressure on Tua. And they also need to stop the run. Three things they haven't done that great this year. So I'm not looking forward to the Packers defense trying to slow down this offense. However, the Dolphins defense has not isn't isn't that great and they've not been playing that good of football recently and the Packers offense seem to have found their groove. I think the Packers offense can move the ball against this team. I think Rodgers can definitely move the ball against this Miami Dolphins team. Bradley Chubb rushing the quarterback and Melvin Ingram are two guys you need to kind of account for. Um in the past rushing game, but outside of that, I think they can move the ball. Xavier Howard is a ball hawk. He's a guy that can intercept the ball and make things difficult on an offense. But overall, I think the Packers' offense can definitely do damage against this Miami Dolphins defense. And the key thing is, is continue to protect Aaron Rodgers and keep him upright. Um, and then the last thing, coaches on the hot seat. I, I I don't think we're going to see as many coaches let go as we did last year, but some of the biggest name, the biggest coach, you know, 
couple of the biggest names on the hot seat right now, Nathaniel Hackett, who signs a bit a deal with Denver. And I, the only reason he got the Denver Bronco job, let's be honest here, the only reason he got the Denver Bronco job because the Broncos thought they could use it as a way to get Aaron Rodgers to come play quarterback for them. It didn't happen. They they trade for Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson has not been good this year at all. Cliff Kingsbury, I mentioned in my NFL preview show that he was probably going to get let go after the year, and we're seeing loud and clear why I felt Kingsbury could be um, somebody to to be let go. Lovey Smith might be another one-and-done uh, head coach in Houston. I think it would be the second or third in a row that Houston's had. I think Houston only hired him because the guy they wanted, Josh McCowan, they figured they would get hammered hard by hiring him after the whole issue with um, – he's now a defensive coach with the – the Steelers <clears throat> used to be the uh, coach of the Dolphins. Uh, Brandon Staley is on the hot seat. And big reason why is the fact that um, you have Sean Payton wants to get back into coaching. And L.A. is a spot that it's been mentioned that he might want to go to. So that's another one to look at. I think Dennis Allen could be on the hot seat, too. That was a horrible decision by the Saints. You have a playoff-worthy roster overall, a very good defense. A quarterback, when healthy, is shown he can play good football in Jameis Winston. But you continue to start Andy Dalton, and the team looks at complete disarray. Dennis Allen was a horrible choice. He's shown that he's a bad head coach in his tenure in Oakland now the Vegas Raiders, he should never have gotten that job. You should have went out and tried to get somebody else, maybe promote Carmichael or bring in another outsider to be your head coach and leave Dennis Allen as defensive coordinator or let him go all together when you bring in a new staff. It's been failure after failure with Dennis Allen in New Orleans. I think it was a big mistake to give him the job. And the Raiders might like Josh McDaniels go at the end of the year. It all depends on if they have the cash on hand to uh, to fire him, which they may not after, you know, John Gruden got let go last year for emails that he had sent to Bruce Allen, who was a uh, Washington commander's president of operations at the time. Those got released or got leaked, and he got fired before that. They are paying him money, too. So with that said, I will bring you another show Monday or Tuesday next week. Appreciate you watching, listening. Uh, This will be posted anywhere podcasts are found. For those that just want to hear the audio version of this, I appreciate it. Find me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. And wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Get back at you later.